mystery. In our history. Welcome to the Mystery in Our History podcast, where we take an in-depth look at all things urban legend and conspiracy theory related, and how they came to be. I am J.R. Supa, and joining me as always is Chris Berry. Yep. So on this week's episode, <clears throat> we're going to be taking a, well, we're going to start looking at one of the most uh, famous and infamous, whatever word you want to use, conspiracy theories, which is aliens. 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 Um, so this is a very broad topic, obviously. It's very far-reaching. Um, so we're going to be covering aliens over multiple episodes. I'm not sure if it's going to be four or five um, total episodes, but it's going to be up there. So we're going to start with um, ancient alien theories, and then we're going to move on to, um, obviously, Area 51, um, UFO sightings and aliens in the United States, uh, aliens around the globe and uh, possibly other topics that tie into the alien conspiracy theory, which is like the men in black, stuff like that. Um, so let's start off with ancient aliens. Obviously, I'm sure everybody's familiar with the TV show on, uh, I think it's History Channel? History, right? Not Discovery. I think it is yeah. History, yeah. With uh, Giorgio Tsoukalos and uh, <laughs> all those guys that talk about ancient aliens. I, I gotta be straight here. I have actually never seen that show in my life. You're kidding. Not one episode. You've never seen a single episode of Ancient Aliens. No, that's why this whole thing to me when I was like going over, I was just like, oh, this is news to me. Oh, this is new. Dude. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> so You're in for a ride. It's something I should probably check out. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's such a good show. But now they've done like, they've expanded it. There's like multiple types of Ancient Alien shows. And, like, they give you, like, bonus content, which is just, Why it not? still fits into the half hour, so I don't understand how it's <laughs> bonus content. Yeah, stack it up. <laughs> Jeez. Um, all right, so let's, let's dive into Ancient Aliens. Um, so the first thing we're going to talk about is uh, Pumapunku. So, obviously, we're not going to get in to as much detail as Ancient Aliens. I think it's gone like uh, eight seasons or something crazy like that before they even started spinoffs. So this is just kind yes. of a more of a Cliff Notes version of some of the topics that they talk about on Ancient Aliens. The show, um, just to kind of build a base for the future shows that we're going to do. Yeah, I definitely need the Cliff Notes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Puma Punku is nestled in the remains of the ancient city of uh, Tiahuanaco, Bolivia. It's the uh, megalithic ruin site um, that archi ar yeah, archaeologists... <laughs> <laughs> you got that one? Uh, like, I, I stumbled through <laughs> Tiahuanaco, and I couldn't pronounce archaeologists. Archaeologists. Exactly. Anyway, archaeologists... <laughs> believe that this site uh, may be the cradle of civilization uh, in South America predating even the Mayans which is uh, kind of cool like the first time I read that I was like wow 
Um, started there. Yeah. So recent, uh, recent. Oh my God, dude, I can't talk today. Recent <laughs> discoveries of monolithic structures, uh, 15 to 20 meters under the surface of nearby Lake Titicaca, have led archaeologists um, Hugo Boero Rojo to calculate the depth of the structures found means that this area of Lake Titicaca was above water level at some point in the past. So archaeological evidence places that time between um, 11,700 and 10,800 BC. So this would make uh, Tiahuanaco the oldest civilization known to man in the Americas, if not everywhere. I, I don't think it's everywhere, though. So uh, when I was when I was reading about this, I was having a hard time imagining it. Was it like underground, like huts, or just like underground, like uh, the the civilization so, um, that's submerged? Think of like global warming, mm-hmm. right? So like water levels rising. Yeah. So at some point, this civilization was actually just on land. Right, and then I, I mean more, more or less like uh, what what they were like how advanced they were i guess was it just like 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 an ancient civilization or did it seem well yeah i'm, I'm getting off topic right. here but <laughs> well so that's yeah so that's what this is so essentially let's let's discuss puma punko yeah all right so inca oral and written traditions tell of the site being located where the father god uh vera cocha the god of action sharper Shaper, sorry, of many worlds and destroyer of many worlds. Uh, Mother of dragons, breaker of chains. (laughs) All that good stuff. (laughs) Um, Created the earth and the humans. So their legends explain that Viracocha created humans from the earth on a great rock. And he sectioned the rock and sent two giant servants uh, to name the tribes of the world. So God and the two giant servants could be aliens essentially is what this is saying um their oral tradition is like and that's and that's the premise of a lot of ancient alien theory is these civilizations worshipped gods and those gods are in effect just uh i believe the term is ancient astronauts um so like the aliens came down and just gave them a bunch of technology and then they worshiped them because they were so advanced yeah, I've I've heard rumors here and there about, um, especially hidden away in like ancient civilizations, of proof of there being like a one true god, like the, almost like an evidence of it. Um, but basically, the the whole truth would make you question your entire existence. So it's just kind of being suppressed or whatnot. But it sounds like this uh, this Viracocha could have been perhaps that that one true god. Well, I mean, yeah, um, think about it, like we've as as humans like this this age right so like all the generations that are living right now we've all operated under the same assumption that there's never been evidence of any kind of actual alien interaction right there's theories there there's conspiracies there's stuff like this that we're talking about that like hints at it but there's no direct like thing saying and same thing with like all the religions right so like christian religion muslim 
Buddhist, Hindu, like there's so many different religions out there, right? So to think like one being, whatever it is, essentially like what terraformed Earth and then kind of started a science experiment. Right. And that turned into us like that's that's essentially what that theory is, is like that one true God is really just like an ancient civilization that's just looking at us under a microscope, if you will. Yeah, the creator, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And that's absolutely nuts because like imagine if that's true, right? Everything Mm -hmm. is a lie. You know it's a lie. Right. Like every religion is wrong. Every thing that you believe and you think about is wrong. Like it, it would be mass hysteria. It would be complete and total chaos if that was yeah, if that's the truth. I'm always curious what what that unveiling would look like. Like if yeah. you were to see that today, like and that's what is that's be... what's going to be hidden in Area 51. Probably <laughs> that's we're going to get find. it. <laughs> we're going to get it <laughs> in a couple of weeks. I want to go. It's ours. I want to go. Next month, I really do. <laughs> You're just gonna go do it. Mm-hmm. Be sure to record it for everyone. I want to. I just want to watch everyone else die. Because there's no way they're getting in. <laughs> no. And no, like, think about it. There's not. what, like, two million. We'll get into this more when we talk about like Area 51 and the history of Area 51. But like, there's two million people signed up on right. Facebook, if not more now. So like, let's just say you get like. Even if you get like thirty thousand, what is that? Three percent, ten percent, something like that? I don't even know. I can't do math right now. Um, but like, even if thirty thousand go, like all of the hotels are booked near Area Fifty One. They're already sold out for that weekend. Oh my god! So like, that's so overwhelming. They're gonna get overwhelmed. Yeah. Uh, the smartest thing anyone could do is like throw. A music festival or something there that weekend because you're gonna make so yeah. much money all the hotels are already booked right so just do or like comic-con comic-con should be there that weekend there <laughs> because it'll be it'll be completely Comic-Con. sold out absolutely but anyway just, i would just i would just want to record them all just getting mowed down by freaking 50 cal <laughs> machine guns as they like That's charge awful. the gates just incinerating people oh my god it would be, it, that, like that's what people don't understand is like oh the government won't do anything they don't want the bad publicity blah 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 but like essentially storming area 51 is an act of um domestic, domestic terrorism. terrorism yeah oh absolutely you know what i mean absolutely. like you're attacking a, a, an a armed forces an armed base like you're, you're attacking a base also we just reinstilled a federal death penalty, so I don't think the government's too worried about bad press right now. They're doing a pretty good job. <laughs> doing, yeah, them, all so. on their own. Yeah. Jesus. All right, anyway, I digress, so let's go back uh, to Pumapunku. <laughs> Sorry. All right, so the pinnacle of Pumapunku is what's referred to as the Gateway of the Sun, and that depicts Viracocha coming through, or Coca, I don't know, whatever, coming through a type of stargate, right? So the carving is created from a single 12-ton stone or the great rock, right? That's that's referenced before, um, before we got on that huge tangent. And it's scattered 
Um, so, and scattered around the site, right, are these monolithic stones, these giant stones that are precisely cut and routed in multiple levels with like perfect right angles, perfect straight lines. So essentially imagine like a stone that has like a staircase almost going through the center, like towards the center of the stone. And Mm -hmm. everything is a perfect right angle. Everything is a perfect straight line. Like, and, and don't, don't forget, like this is all happening like 10,000 years before the common era. So like, right. So like they, they're not supposed to, um, like have this, right? So like many of the blocks there are cut in like perfect interlocking shapes and they don't have, this is what stone and bronze age, 10,000 years, right? So they don't have the tools to do this. Like you can't do that with, with bronze weapons or bronze tools so that's where like the only explanation that people say could have done this is they had some kind of a machine or machine tools similar to um a diamond tip quarry saw which is used in like you know in masonry drills and stuff like that um used today but those are all powered by electricity or internal combustion engines so like that didn't exist for a very long time after that. So where is, how is it happening? Is essentially right. where the, thing. Are the where are the tools coming from? Right, like we don't have them yet. It's funny you say um, it's the gateway to the sun. Now there, here's a theory that I 100% believe in: are stargates. I think stargates are like the TV show. Uh, yeah, yeah, like the TV show, like legit. Um, I think it was basically. I feel like Stargate is almost a documentary on it. Um, well, I feel basically, like all these shows like that, they come from these conspiracy theories. Right. Well, ex- well Like you take or, the or theory maybe... and you go, ooh, that's a cool idea. Let's expand on that. Right. Well, the the theory is is that Stargate was made off the idea of the real Stargate mm-hmm. we have, almost in, in released as like a, a, a false... Um, God, I'm, I'm lacking the word, what it's called right now, but basically when you put the truth out there in, in fraud or in broad daylight, so people overlook it as it not being a thing that could exist like a Stargate. Oh, like false. So, um, yeah, I know. I, I can't think yeah, of the word either. But I yes. can't think of the term. Um, but basically, I've heard that the U.S. has re- a reversed engineered Stargate, um, basically in the States, um, and that there are natural or left behind ones um, overseas in the Middle East. Um, I forget exactly where they said in the Middle East, but I don't know. This is all on a conspiracy board, too. So, yeah. Um, you see like, stuff, you go, is that real? Is that not? Whatever. And, so, and that's like, that's the crazy part, too, is like, so think about this, right? Stargates, let's just say Stargates exist. I'm, I don't believe in, in, the, like, I'm, this is one of the only conspiracy theories where I am moderately skeptical as opposed to extremely skeptical as far That's as fair. aliens go, right? Because, like, okay. it's it's real hard to justify that in the vastness and infinitium, infinitum of the universe. <laughs> that we're alone? That, right, like, that we're the only thing 
Right. Uh, it's pretty. And even if it's not some super advanced civilization, there's got to be something right out there. You know what I mean? Like that's that's just my thing. However, I as a not super religious person, I fully think that that god of gods concept like that's what I've thought before I even got into this is like what if we're just some science experiment right right you know what I mean or like just, they um... they saw you know this this planet forming and they were like ooh this is like the perfect conditions because that's what they're doing they're just going out going what would happen you know, and they're just recording it for for data purposes, and they they're watching how civilizations evolve over time. Right. You know what I mean? Because I still believe in evolution. I still believe in, you know, what what science proves from going from like single celled organisms and and getting to where we are today. But I feel like it could have been easily just been like, okay, let's start it. Right. No, absolutely. You know? But the fact that, like, they have Stargates. So I, I got a little off topic, but I'm, I'm trying to wrap, you know, bring it back around. It's like, if they have Stargates, that means we're exploring so much more than the, the greatest minds of society. Let me make sure I get both quotes in there <laughs> in the video. Right, for Whoever right. watches this on YouTube. <laughs> but, like... Guys like Neil deGrasse Tyson, who are supposed to be, like, some of the smartest physicists on the planet, who have the most knowledge about space and the mathematics involved in space travel and all that kind of stuff. Like, this is knowledge that they don't have? Right. So, if it exists, think about this. If it exists, how many people who are even smarter than that guy? meaning Neil deGrasse Tyson. How many people are smarter than him? Because they're only going to take the best of the best to come and work on this thing. Exactly. So, like, exactly. there's a team of people. And and you know what? For all we know, he could be on it. Like, we don't know. But there's, yeah, you never know. if they have a Stargate, there's a team of people that are operating this thing. If it's, if it's actually, like, if they've reversed engineer it, that means it's operational, right? Exactly. Yep. So, like, yeah, you don't you don't need space travel. You know what I mean? Like, at that point, NASA is a joke. Right. And, so, so and we'll get into that too because I I fully believe that the moon landing was fake. But anyway, um, that's fair. Yeah, we'll we'll, well get. The, but that's the a theory that's a story is, for another episode. Is those stargates are only connected on Earth? They don't go past the Earth's atmosphere. Basically. Oh, so. so you're saying it's just like teleportation. So like yeah, there's a so stargate. Going... There's a stargate in Area 51, oh. and there's a stargate in um, I don't know whatever England's Over... version of Area 51 is. Right. And and there's just two stargates, and if I want to go there, I can just be like, boop, here I am. Yep. Yep. That's the that's the that's the thought anyway, okay. or that's the speculation behind it. Gotcha. Um, I mean that makes a lot more sense to me than like having a stargate that just goes someplace else you know what i mean like, like you're just yeah. typing coordinates in and all of a sudden if there's a stargate there you're just like okie dokie here i am at a new fucking planet and it's like Zipping right there yeah it's because it's like how do you know you know what i mean somebody walks into the stargate they never come back like 
Okay, that didn't work. Next. Right. Yeah. You're just you're just like throwing homeless people into the Stargate and go, if you can get back, we'll give you a million dollars and they don't come back. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well that guy's dead. Let's try somebody else. They're motivated. Yeah. They're not getting back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so back to Pumapunku and these these monolithic stones, right? So obviously they didn't have electricity in 11,000 BC, right? So how did they make all this stuff? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the only explanation is if they were advanced enough to have a, uh, what, what we're calling it there, the gateway of the sun, mm-hmm. um, that they would probably have something similar to either a Tesla arc or, or something along that line. Um, and basically the idea of the Tesla arc, if for people who aren't familiar, is basically it's a, it's a device that draws all the energy that's just in the air around us, it just pulls it out of the air and just makes it an electricity source, uh, sort of say. Um, and again, like that, but this is the Bronze Age, right? So you need specific tools for the Tesla arc. So even if they had the Tesla arc to power the equipment that they didn't have, you know what I mean? Right. Like it's it, it's still like where did it all come from? You know what right. I mean? Like, it, it had to have been like gifted or yeah right now here's here's another thing about Pumapunku um, that I I thought was was kind of crazy right so on the shores of Lake Titicaca right around the same region where Pumapunku is located archaeologists found a unique stone dish that they named uh, Fuente Magna. Um, And my Spanish is rusty, so I'm not even going to try and translate it. Um, But the amazing amazing fact about this dish is that it's covered in proto-Sumerian writing. Okay, so why is that, like, why is that shocking? Is because the Sumerian civilization was located in the Middle East. Oh, okay. So it had a language from the Middle East, right? So that means... The two civilizations are divided by almost 5,000 miles, a vast ocean, a lack of technological ability to build vessels capable of crossing that ocean. And in addition, the ancient Sumerian language was not used in pre-Columbian civilization, right? Because they're saying, like, ancient Sumeria, that, that part of the world is considered the the birthplace of all civilization. Absolutely, dude. So, it's, it's... But the language did not necessarily make it into civilizations as they spread out. They developed other civilizations. You know what I mean? It's like um, the, the Latin civilizations are kind of influenced by, like, German. Right. You know what I mean? So, like, there's, there's different ways of, of languages being, you know, created and stuff. So, but so how... Did that dish get across an ocean to Lake Titicaca? Uh, and also, yeah. I, I hope that you are proud of me because I have not cracked a smile once saying Lake Titicaca until I right proud. now. <laughs> I gave you a smirk the first time you said it. <laughs> I, know, I, I saw am. that. I was, I was trying to be so professional, but I can't say Lake Titicaca this many times and not bring it's it up. So many times. Also... That that uh, that language being there, 
it makes more sense thinking about that other Stargate being in the Middle East. Just saying. Right. Like, eh. and like as I don't know, as far as the Stargates go, I'm I'm still a little, eh. But like, yeah. it, it really does like make you go, well, how? How did it get there? Right? Were they? Was it the same group of aliens? Helping both, all... you know what I mean? Like, was was a group of aliens just helping both civilizations kind of like flourish? Just like a few in different like parts of the world mm-hmm. that all had a gate to travel between each other. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's like it's crazy to think about it because you know me. Like, I'm not one to just jump on board and be like, oh my god, this is like the thing. But like, dude, how? Explain it to me. Somebody. Right. Explain to me how that gets there when there there was like no ships that could cross an ocean at that time. Right. Well, that's how that's how these conspiracies live in the first place. Because right. it, again, it's like you can't prove to me that that's not happening. But if you could prove to me even that it didn't happen, I'll take that as well. Yeah, I'll but take whatever. There, there's, there's there's none no proof either one way. way or the other. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and and that's crazy. So then we get to, right, when the Spanish explorers are coming now, right? So the Spanish explorers land in Bolivia, and the inhabitants of the Tiahuanoco region. Just I'm, it's a I'm, lot of big ones I here. Know, it's so many. Um, <laughs> so they those the peep the inhabitants of that region thought that the gods of Viracocha had returned. And in reality, all that came was syphilis. <laughs> that's that's all the Spanish explorers brought. We're just fucking disease. Jeez, dude. Yeah. But, thanks for showing up. <laughs> yeah. But the the thing is, is that the the oral traditions of that region describe the gods as having light skin and reddish hair, and the Spanish explorers had lighter skin. Um, than the Colombians did. And they wore shiny armor and arrived in giant ships, right, that these people had no previous exposure to. So, like, that's what all of this kind of, like, that's when, the, so then when these people came, they were like, oh, my God, these are gods. And that's why it was so easy for the Spanish explorers to just, like, take over all these areas because they just thought they were gods to begin with. Um, yeah. Plus, they had, I'm pretty sure, uh, guns had been invented by that time, right? When the Spanish explorers were coming over, even if they were like the first guns, like blunt yeah, like buses gun powder. and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. But still, like, even if guns didn't exist, they had like armor. You know what I mean? They had this shiny metal that like these people might not have been working with. and But they matched the description of something that these people already had in their oral traditions. So, like, Mm -hmm. that's the other thing, too, is, like, because they always say, like, oh, the aliens are, like, little green men or, like, these little gray, you know what I mean? So that's why it's kind of crazy that, like, they had this in their oral tradition already and then the Spanish explorers come and they're like, oh, welcome back, guys. (laughs) And then they all got back. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so moving on from Puma Punku, uh, we, we're going to take a look at ancient alien 
technology right throughout history so again another big word for me to mispronounce here it is okay so antikythera the antikythera mechanism i'm hoping that's how it's pronounced it sounded pretty good right uh is believed to have been created around 60 to 80 bc again long time ago right Shortly before it was sunken in a Roman shipwreck off the island of Antikythera, hence the name of the mechanism, (laughs) uh, which is located near Greece. (laughs) So although the device was badly corroded when they found it um, and many parts had completely deteriorated over the 2000 years it was submerged under the water, um, I guess they've, they've recently revealed its secrets um, using x-ray and gamma ray um, analysis so that means we're gonna get the hulk soon too right i hope so right? if we're if we're fucking around with gamma rays reflect some of that shit on Absolutely. on bruce all right so okay so essentially this is the first computer ever invented is what they're saying because the device is an astronomical calculator that accurately tracks the movements of the sun, the movements of the moon, and predicts eclipses, lunar cycles, and seasons. And it's important to understand that this device is so amazingly advanced for its time, right? Like, this is, this is still, like, according to the Christian religion, Jesus hadn't been born yet. This is still before him. <laughs> you know what I right, mean? Right, right. So, like, it's it's so advanced that no other device with similar mathematics or engineering were invented for another thousand years. That's insane. And it was... Um, I'm trying. Let me, let me make sure I get this correct because I, I want to read this correctly. Um... So it was so advanced that no other device with similarities in mathematics and engineering was invented for over a thousand years when a much simpler and much larger eight-geared lunar-solar calculator was built into an astrolab by Al-Biruni, who was an Iranian scholar of the medieval Islamic era. So that's like medieval is like 1300s, 1200s. Like, that's maybe the start of it, right? Like, it's in the thousands, though, right? It's not like the 900s. Like, medieval was, like, somewhere in the 11, 12, 13, and then you kind of had the knights and all that kind of stuff. But, like, medieval era, that's, like, 11, 1200s. So that's that's a thousand years before anything came close to what this mechanism that they found was. And I think the only reason why that's so is because this one was lost, right? Like, it was lost at sea, so no one ever ever had the chance to see it and travel and, and, and utilize it and stuff like that. Because, like, when you think about it, Greece and Iran are way closer. I could be wrong. I'm, I'm not a great um, geography person, but... Greece and Iran have to be closer than the Middle East and Bolivia. 
right? It's less than 5,000 miles. I, th- I, I want to say that that sounds right. I, I don't know. I'm not that. Like, it's got to be. Yes, it is. In fact, I looked it up just now. It is 1,838 <clears throat> miles from Greece to Iran. It's not even close. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there's no ocean. There's a couple bodies of water, but there's still plenty of land that you can just cross. You don't even need to cross a body of water to get from Greece to Iran. Okay? So you're telling me that – like, or what I'm saying is like if this thing never gets sunk – there's easily a chance that somebody else builds off this. Right. It's crazy to me because this is like, this is one of those situations where it's just like, if you're a denier of conspiracy theories, how how do you just explain away something as complex as this device? Right. right? Like Like it's not, and and people aren't making stuff up. Like obviously these are hypotheses. Hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, I was so intrigued by this device that I, I looked it up when, uh, when I started reading about it. Um, just to give myself an idea and like honestly there's really just two explanations for it and, and that's either like the tech was given to them by an advanced race of people or the people who lived on this earth before us um before we even started recording history um were just far more advanced than we give them credit for and all of that technology all of that is just gone or it's buried somewhere maybe frozen underwater mm-hmm. who knows who knows where it is, but it's not here. We don't have it. But um, if that's the case, if they were more advanced than we gave them credit for, where's the documentation? Because right. they would it's be just... advanced enough to document and, and you know what I mean, like have recorded history. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be lost somewhere, you yeah. know, maybe under the, the, the pole caps. Maybe we had a polar shift. Um, who knows? You know what I mean? It's just, again... I mean, if you ever read about Antarctica, it's such a hands-off area that, you know, civilians aren't allowed over there at all. And there could be so Uh, much there we don't know about. I mean, there's... People theorize Atlantis is there. Yeah, there's there's glaciers that are, like, so deep or so tall or however you want to call it. You know what I mean? That, like, Mm -hmm. you you can't just get through them. Yeah, absolutely. Like, they're they're still at the point where they're, like, drilling into these glaciers just to get um information on what like it was like when the dinosaurs were roaming the earth because they can like study the the rocks and stuff and like figure out you know when the big the the meteor hit and all that kind of stuff but like that's just taking a drill and and essentially bringing out a like a a long tube of ice maybe this big right just taking samples of it like they're not down there figuring out what's down there Right, yeah. So, or so, or, or as, long, as far as we know, right? You never know, right? They could so, be. but now, now check this out, right? So, Al Biruni creates this this um, lunar solar calculator, right? A thousand mm-hmm. years after the level of um, technology, comparatively speaking, in the two devices, essentially. Al-Biruni's calculator was like is the equivalent of creating the pager today after the iPhone already existed. Like that's that's the difference in technology between these two devices. 
like it took a thousand years. Essentially, it's like Apple comes out with the iPhone, and then a thousand years later, someone was like, "Ooh, I've made the pager." <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, because that that device was so yeah so advanced, and then I mean, you've seen these, you've seen these medieval telescopes, and mm-hmm. I, that's what I'm assuming this thing looks. Yeah, like there almost. was there was a telescope. I forgot whose telescope it was, but it was like one of the very very early. Um, galaxy observers right and it was so long that like four people had to hold it with him just so that he could look through it and they had to keep it steady and it was like so long and so cumbersome and like all that kind of stuff so it's crazy but so going into to more detail i know this is this is a lot of geek speak so bear with me but (laughs) The mathematics involved in the gear arrangements and the detailed engineering and manufacturing of the parts in the um, Antikythera mechanism um, were far beyond the believed capabilities of the Greeks in the first century of BC. Essentially, the precision and craftsmanship that it would have taken to create this device or that was used I should say to create this device don't coincide with the iron and the bronze tools that they had during this time like they didn't have the tools to really make this device so precisely right yeah I I was gonna say this was a time where like there was no distractions um, for, for humans so advancing knowledge was a big pastime um, that we would see with with the with the Greek, um, yeah, and I mean, but so yeah, that's... you just can't explain away the the tools. Right. You know, you would just ne- you would need that, or if they had something that could make this stuff, where they is would it? have documentation or something left behind. Right, like Da yeah. Vinci recorded all of his experiments, recorded all of his inventions, like stuff like exactly. that, where it's just like it's there. But like, and and going off of what you said too is so. It's po- I think it's possible with this mechanism that they even though it's it's it says like it, the precision doesn't coincide with the tools of the time. That's possible. But you made a very good point that there were no distractions back then, right? There's no TV. There's no all. there's no, no nothing, phone. right? There's barely anything yeah. to read at that point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you have you have nothing going on but whatever it is you do. So whoever created this, we don't know how long it took him or you know what I mean? And I'm I'm just assuming it's him because of that's that's just the time that it was. Like this is not when women were not like really allowed to do this stuff. So whoever invented this, like they it could have taken them their entire life to create it yeah and it was sunk off the coast of greece by the romans like how pissed off do you would you be seriously you right? know what i mean yeah i wonder if it's just like something they salvaged and had on their ship even it didn't yeah. even belong to them they found it and we're like oh this this shit's crazy Let's take but this that's home. but that you know what i mean so like that that's like a devil's advocate thing of like it might be plausible that if it's just somebody who worked on it was just somebody who was super smart who just worked on this their whole life 
and figured it out and then the technology was lost it, it might have not had any kind of interference of any outside source but it just it seems unlikely right i agree right so here this is this is going to be um a very difficult to follow um explanation because i yeah. i still can't follow it but i uh-huh. it, it's so this device how advanced <laughs> is this device Okay. Um, if the device was created in 100 BC, it was used to compute calendrical computation. The required math needed for this device to do so, um, to do what experts think it did, wouldn't be discovered until 1627 by Johannes Kepler when he revealed the three laws of planetary motion. So that's 1500 years apart, right? Now, I have a quote from, and it's not really a quote, it's more of a fucking droning explanation, but I I feel like it's necessary to read it. Um, But I will say that anyone listening can feel free to hit the skip forward buttons at this time. (laughs) Professor Michael Edmonds of Cardiff University explains the mechanism thusly. The moon's movement isn't constant. It speeds up and slows down. This is because its orbit isn't exactly circular. Instead, it's slightly egg-shaped. The point furthest from the Earth is the apogee, and the point closest to the Earth is the perigee. When it is near the apogee, it travels slowly, but when it moves closer to the Earth, it picks up speed until it passes the perigee, and then it slows down again, kind of like an eternal slingshot. That's the only part I understood, by the way. <laughs> That's this, the easy stuff. Right. This is called the first lunar anomaly. I'm trying to, like, spruce it up. The difference is noticeable by the naked eye if you're willing to make systematic observation. This is all simply explained by Kepler's laws of planetary motion. I beg to differ about the simply part, but okay. <laughs> There's a Fair. small problem, though. Kepler used ellipses. You can't use elliptical gears, right? Gears don't operate with an ellipses. They have to be circular. The point of gears is that they must have intermeshing teeth. An elliptical gear would lose contact with the driving gear as its axis changed. That's axis, not access. Sorry. Instead, it seemed that the mechanism used two gears, one slightly off axis axis I, I don't know what my problem is today one <laughs> slightly off axis from the other the rotation was connected by a pin and slot arrangement so that the one gear wouldn't turn at quite the same rate as the other gear the on axis gear can then be turned reliably by the drive gears while the motion of the moon can be driven by the off axis gear so you have a device that can track the sidereal, synodic, and anomalistic months. None of those words I know. All while the <laughs> Earth is spinning around the sun. Stay with me, because this will all be over soon. <laughs> There's another problem. Dun, dun, dun. The lunar anomaly describes the moon's travel from one apogee to the next. This apogee is also rotating around the Earth. 
because it's not complicated enough. If the apogee is in Aries, then two and a bit years later, it will be in Cancer. These are um, constellations for those of you who are completely lost just here. <laughs> and another two and a bit, it will move into Libra until it has traveled through the zodiac over about nine years. So now we have a device which tracks the moon around the Earth and its phases and its variable speed and variations in that variability while also keeping track of the sun's position, potential lunar and solar eclipses, and intercalculation cycles so you know when to stick the extra month into the year and keep the lunar months in step with the solar year around some gears. Holy crap, surmount it slightly off axis to create a pseudo sinusoidal <laughs> variation using circular gears to replace the ellipses. In other words, the Antikythera mechanism is extremely complex. You can say that again. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree. That, that was a, How that was could a mouthful. You? Nobody knows. Nobody listening to this knows no. what the hell I just said. <laughs> but, like, I feel like some things do make sense here, though. Because right. we're, we're talking about people who uh, almost worship the sun, star, um, you know, the star, sun, yeah. moon, just space in general. Um, and again, going back to the, they just have no distractions at that time. Right. Um, you know, they had all this time when they're not hunting or surviving or doing whatever around the village to make basically survival uh, thing they can do. Um, they would study stars and focus on how the sun and move, uh, sun and moon move around the earth. I mean, it doesn't explain everything, but it can, I mean, I feel like it could explain a lot of it. It could be someone's lifelong mm -hmm. project work. So, yeah. All right, so moving on from that insanely complex and unbelievably wordy explanation of a ancient alien technology, let's move on to the Kimbaya airplanes because these are freaking awesome and I love them. And if you watch the show Ancient Aliens, almost all of them have a little pin on their lapel of these planes. Nice. Like, it's it's a thing that they do. I, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> they love them. So the, the Kimbaya, Kimbaya? Kimbaya airplanes <laughs> are golden artifacts found in Colombia and made by the Kimbaya civilization. <laughs> yeah, do it every time yeah, for that inflection. I don't want to. Go Dated ahead. between 1000 <laughs> BC and 1000 AD. So that's 2000 years that they're dated between. Meh. Um, I feel like we're better than that, but whatever. Many represent modern airplane designs, excuse me, and are considered to be out of place and unexplainable artifacts. Yeah, being someone who's never watched Ancient Aliens, this is definitely new to me, and oh, I've never heard are, of it. These are so cool. Yeah, this is going to be good. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm into it. So what makes these airplane models so amazing is that they are aerodynamically accurate. Right, so like they fly. Essentially, in 1994, German aeronautical engineers uh, Peter Belting and Konrad Lubers created large-scale radio-controlled models of the artifact. I'm sorry, did I get you with that? Lubers was yeah. Lubers. <laughs> so they proved that the designs fly with both a single propeller or jet power. 
like aeronautically and aerodynamically they work it doesn't matter what's powering them it could be a jet engine or it could be a propeller the lift the actual mathematics of the lift work so it just gets you up there that's uh yeah that's that is that is where things kind of get odd um because that's 900 years right if it's a if it's a thousand a.d that's right a thousand that's 900 years almost a thousand years before the wright brothers it's crazy it's crazy yeah it's weird because um you know maybe maybe because i mean going back to the mechanism if, if they were able to make the mechanism why wouldn't they be able to make these paper airplane or uh, not paper airplanes i'm sorry the uh the, these airplanes um <laughs> paper. paper um you know i mean all these things yeah again it just goes back to arguing like right. maybe there was so much advanced technology that got destroyed in some sort of mass extinction event well um, so and that so this is the thing right so how if this if these things are aerodynamically correct mm-hmm. how could the pre-columbians right so like before columbians existed in a thousand bc how could they understand the concepts of aerodynamic lifts and the designs therein right so this was a civilization that had barely developed the ability to use bronze tools and still lived in brick structures right like and and like used live flames for light so how are they going to be flying yeah i mean it's got to be a gift from a visitor or, or either just the tools or witnessed. just the knowledge or yeah exactly you know what i mean like exactly. if if like they saw this, something shoot through the sky right or or ancient aliens came and said hi guys i'm i'm you know we're here here's some technology here's some stuff here's worship me like a god and then that was their thing essentially you know what you know what it, it is um almost looks like uh a ghost from halo okay yeah remember the ghost not the phantom not the thing that actually flies through the air but the ghost the the little purple like, thing with the two little wings like a bike yeah the the alien version of the four-wheeler okay that's what it looks like okay i'm trying i'm trying to visualize i play a lot of halo i think i know what you're talking about though but so that's that was like so maybe they just kind of like but my point is that it looks like that right so now get into that headspace where it's like maybe that's what those visitors used for transportation right right so like they had one right they had their alien spacecraft parked up here or they they landed somewhere else and then they just use these to explore right you know what i mean yeah totally um but so that's that's you know the technology that makes you think like holy shit like could it be yeah yeah was it gifted or or Mm -hmm. did they truly know back then oh yeah all right so let's move on to the last category of ancient aliens which is aliens in art which this is kind of the weirdest one for me like all the other stuff is kind of plausible this stuff is just like because what the hell well and plus like art is all interpretation 
especially the stuff that's like people are dead. <laughs> oh, for sure. You know sure. what I mean? Yep. So like But anyway, Vizoki Dikani Monastery. Hope I pronounced that right. Will be the first <laughs> time today. <laughs> it's situation it's situ oh my god, it's situated in the western part of the Serbian province of Kosovo. By the way, you are way too nice to me for not fucking being able to speak today. Oh, I'm no better, dude. I mean, if I were in your shoes, I'd be so embarrassed and be stumbling everywhere. So I'm glad you're taking the heat for me. Yeah. It, this was built between 1327 and 1335 by King St. Stephen, Stephen of Dikani and was dedicated to the ascension of the Lord. Within the monastery are several fresco paintings from famous scenes described in the Bible. In the cathedral, there is a painting called The Crucifixion of Christ, which shows two flying objects in the upper left and right of the scene, piloted by beings who appear to be holding some kind of a steering control. These are not angels because they would have had halos and wings like the other angels depicted in the painting. Um, and so this proves that they were not divine beings. Some, well, it doesn't prove, that's the speculation. They have no idea what it was actually there, but... Right. Some speculate that they could represent the sun and the moon, which makes sense. But... These objects are not personified as characters or deities by the Christian church. Right, so like there's no god of the sun, no god of the moon. There's no Apollo, you know, that drags the sun across the sky every morning in the Christian faith or the Catholic faith faith. So it doesn't make sense that they would be being operated by anything. Right. Right. Yeah. So after taking a look at that picture, cause I, again, I've never heard of this one mm -hmm. either. So I took a, I took a look at the picture and it does indeed look like people flying devices through the sky, mm -hmm. like some sort of vehicle. And it's odd because they just look like regular ass people. They're not yeah. aliens at all. They're just like little, they just, look like, just little like, dudes. like some dude in a thing, just like me, like through the thing. It's just like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Just like very serious painting. And then there's like this jackass in the background in this device, like scooting along. So yeah, like what, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And that's, it's weird. But again, like this is all just conjecture a, and speculation because the right, person, it's art. Right, exactly. It's art. Art could so, be anything. It could be interpreted precisely. Anything, so and and I mean, I feel like in this sense, it could be anything. When you go back and look at like the, because there's other stuff like cave drawings and stuff, um, and other things that I'll talk about in here too, but like that makes more sense because they're writing down or drawing or depicting what they've seen, whereas mm -hmm. like this is. This is a painting that was done 1,300 years after the event. Makes you want to pick their brain. Yeah, so much. Like, why did you put that there? Yeah, what is <laughs> you that? You know what I mean? But so branching off of that, one of the most significant archaeological finds of the 20th century was the tomb of Kanich Janab Pakal. And I'm going to be calling him Kanish for the rest of this. <laughs> Ken Kanish. Ken Kanish. Uh, he was the ruler of the Mayan city of Palenque from 615 to 683 AD, which is a pretty good lifespan for somebody living that far long ago. Absolutely. 
Anyway, Canisius' tomb was found in the <laughs> pyramid of inscriptions, right? So this discovery gave evidence to the fact that Mayans buried their rulers in a very similar fashion to the ancient Egyptians, yet it's still believed neither civilization knew the other existed. So could be a coincidence, or it could have been that the same aliens... I got it again. It goes back to the Stargates for me, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or, or, or maybe Stargates it's... or the the God of Gods or whatever. Yep. Are they all learn? Yeah. Are they learning it from the same God? You know, are they talking to the uh, same entities? Who knows? Right. <laughs> it's so the lid on Kanisha's tomb describes how his soul would return to the stars from where he came, and it shows the ruler seated upon the monster of the sun which i guess is the translation right so this term this term and the carving are clearly trying to communicate that kanish took off from the earth in a spacecraft it's cool um i've I've seen theories out there that speculate that once you die basically your life is just borrowing from the cosmos or from the universe Mm -hmm. itself so once you die you just kind of float back and give back and then um yeah could potentially recycle you, recycle you, I guess. Yeah. Um, maybe that's what they're doing. That's possible. I mean, and so check it out, right? So if you examine this carving, you'll see a 2D interpretation of Kanish seated in a horizontal position. <laughs> just Kanish. like just like the astronauts of today have to be seated to prevent them from passing out um, from the G-forces when they take off in a rocket to outer space it's the same you know what i mean he's situated that way right Mm -hmm. so it looks like he's also handling controls with his hands and he's also working pedals with his feet just like astronauts do now in flight capsules and he even has something connected to his nose so the thought is that that's like um, something that's supplying him with air during the flight excuse me and the decorations on the monster of the sun resemble the intricate technology controls and mechanisms that we would see on modern-day spacecrafts. Now, I don't know if that's really accurate. But like if letters. you're looking at, like, everything else, <laughs> then maybe. You know what I mean? And there's, I guess there's also, like, implied flames and smoke from the thrusters at the bottom of the craft. Yeah. It's just so weird. I mean, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, how much do we really know about space today? Right. I mean, we don't know a goddamn thing, really. Yeah. I mean, we know it exists, and it, we're trying to understand speaking it. speaking to the vastness of space, no, we know nothing. Right. Um, and we know much more today than they know then. Right. But uh, Or maybe, right? Or like, what do they, again, what do they know that we don't? Right. Like, it's well, almost like the they knew like, something. We think we know more because we're right. such, we're so much further advanced in our civilizations and technology. But we, we really don't know. But here's okay. So, all of that said about Kanish, right? Mm-hmm. Here's the crazy part. According to the people who discovered this, Kanish was not in the tomb when it was discovered. Get out of here. He, it, so he was documented to have lived roughly eighty years. Okay, before he returned to the stars. Right. The remains of the person in the tomb was a 40-year-old man. It's a patsy. 
<laughs> it's got to be a patsy, right? That's so like that so that's now however i will say this i will make this point because it is possible that there's some embellishment in the oral tradition and the writings and and the information that we have from these cultures because i spent 16 years in catholic school which is partly the reason why i am not religious but there are multiple people in the Bible, and I want to say Moses was one of them, but don't I, I don't want to be quoted saying that it was definitely him, but there are definitely people in the Bible who are said to have lived like over 100 years, 300 years. They like That's die crazy. when they're like 350 years old. But my point is, is that like it could be a um, translation error. It could be... That's fair adding to the mysticality of it. I'm not saying that he didn't go back to the stars. I'm just saying that maybe he didn't actually have a spaceship that he could leave on and maybe came from. I don't know. But the person in the tomb was 40 years old. That doesn't mean it wasn't him. It just means that it might not have been him. Right, right. Yeah, it's just it's weird. Because, like, even from but what not we him, know today... Up. Right. <laughs> Well, like, even even from what we know today is, like, life expectancy back then was way lower with just right. diseases and, and everything. You know, we didn't have modern medicine back then. Um, and obviously, it wasn't unheard of to have someone around that was 80 years old, but it was it was pretty damn rare. Mm-hmm. Um, the life expectancy so, is, like, 30. At this, at this yeah. time, the life expectancy is, like, 30 to 40 years old. Yeah, I, I would be on my deathbed right now, like, if yeah. I was alive back then. Or, or dead already. I'm, I'm pretty like, sure I would not have made it. They would have thrown me off a cliff oh, when yeah. I was an Yeah, right in, the, right in the garbage. Yeah. Well, <laughs> cliff, that, that's being nice. Yeah. <laughs> Toss you out um, back. You know, but, like, so that's... That is a relatively brief overview of the ancient aliens... And the ancient theories, ancient astronaut theories, as it's said in the show. So that, and that's where we're going to stop for today. And we will pick up next episode um, with more modern aliens, including Area 51. Yeah, that's my wheelhouse. I'm yes. ready. I'm ready for that. I am, I am very pumped as well. Um, as always, if you have any urban legends or conspiracy theories that you think we should cover, feel free to um, post them uh, on the YouTube page underneath the video. Uh, and please make sure to click the like and subscribe icons. And thank you for listening. And we will see you next time on the Mystery in Our History podcast.